Hey everybody, hope you're doing well. Today we're going to do something a little different. I know the background is like totally uh, different and the reason for that is uh, a little later, um, well actually by the time you're watching this, this will have already happened, uh, but I'm ha having Gary Stearman over uh, for an interview for a project that I'm working on uh, at Skywatch. Um, I'll give more information to members on that, uh, but I don't want to just make that public knowledge for right now, um, because this is still a little ways in the future. But anyway, that's why everything is different behind me. Um, I am preparing for that. So very excited about that, but I still wanted to, uh, so the last time that I, um, did, did a video for this channel, I, uh, asked you guys, you know, do you like it when, I have a guest on for every video, or do you like sometimes where it's just me? And then surprisingly, that video, that was the, the CERN Locust video, that video got uh, more views than, you know, a lot of my videos even with guests. And so for me, it's, it's not as much about the views, but views do reflect um, that you know, people are enjoying it, people are getting something out of it, they're watching it, I'm able to, to help more and serve more uh, people that way. So that, that's that's where my heart is and what I want to do. So I figured let's try it again and see how this goes. So on, uh, and if you are interest, more interested in that specific format, um, I do have a show called JPD Weekly that I that I host. And um, now for for this video, all of that's at dailyrenegade.com. Uh, but for this video, I want to actually talk about something that I've been working on more for a future project for Skywatch and Defender Publishing. Um, and sometimes being able to talk out ideas really helps me. Uh, like if I'm writing something especially, and if you followed this channel for any length of time, you you know that because uh, before I'm going to give a presentation or something, you know, if I'm giving a presentation in front of a bunch of people, a lot of times I'll start a video and I'll, I'll do the video first a couple days before so I can get, um, so I can get your opinions on it and it, it just helps me kind of process what I'm writing, what I'm thinking. And so something that I'm working on now, um, is I'm involved in another project. This is separate from the Gary Stearman one, but this is another uh, different project. Um, and this is about Dead Sea Scroll stuff. So I've been talking about that on JPD a, a little bit, but that that's kind of been for my own kind of daily renegade stuff. Here, this one, I want to kind of shift it over more to what I've been working on for Skywatch because a lot of people have wondered about that. Um, you know, there have been a lot of changes at Skywatch, uh, and so, you know, we have a whole new set now. There's a, a kind of a different format and stuff like that. And for me personally, I used to just strictly, like, edit the videos, I'd write a book here and there, and then I host it into the multiverse. Uh, well, that has progressed to the point where um, now I'm uh, making movies, I'm, I'm doing documentary films for uh, Skywatch Films, it's a branch of Skywatch, uh, that, that's just the movie department, so um, I'm running that. And uh, I'm also still writing books I have put into the multiverse on hiatus for now, um, because uh, um, I'm 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 more useful to the ministry and the position that that I'm doing now. So, uh, so it's a good thing. Uh, there was a little while where I was trying to do into the multiverse and everything else, and it's 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 just it it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's it's a little too much. When, when when I start to stretch myself too thin like that, I notice that the projects that I'm involved in start to suffer, and I, I don't want to I don't want to ever do that. 
So, uh, so in, in talking to Tom and it's just, it's just, th this is the way that it's going to work best. Um, now that doesn't mean that into the multiverse is like dead. It, you know, I probably will end up bringing it back someday. Um, when the time's right to do so, uh, the YouTube channel is still up. All the videos are still up. Um, there could be any time where I just decide to put up a video. Uh, you know, a lot of that too is, uh, with my son, Nathan and his cancer treatments, I've needed the freedom to be able to, uh, you know, if I need to take him treatment in Memphis, you know, I, I need the freedom to be able to do that. And having a weekly um, uh, obligation uh, for something like, you know, a show like Into the Multiverse, it, it's it's difficult to do. I couldn't keep up on it before uh, with all the trips to Memphis and stuff like that. So uh, because of all that and a lot more reasons, but it's all good stuff because I, I believe that what I'm doing now is is more important, more useful helps a lot more people. Into the Multiverse is a good show, but it, it's really only geared towards people who, who really like quantum physics. And uh, and even in that subset of people, it, it's even a smaller subset because it's those who can be ministered through the study of quantum physics. I mean, that's a very small amount of people. So the stuff that I'm doing now, I can uh, more broadly uh, help. And that's, that's what I'm interested in. So Towards that end, I wanted to use today's video to go through some of the things that I've been looking at uh, in a new book that I'm working on, and I wanted to just see what people's opinions are about it, um, and, and and if this kind of stuff is helpful or interesting, um, and that that also helps me because if I'm saying it out loud, it helps me kind of process my thoughts, and so um, I've actually done that on a lot of a lot I don't know about every book but almost every book that I've ever written I've I've done that where I'll do a video and it seems like that I'm just doing a video but I'm actually reading from notes from my you know my book so um I wanted to make this very like skywatch focused you know cuz this is going to help me write a better book so uh that's what I wanted to do for uh today and again like I said sets totally bro broken down for right now because um I'm going to be interviewing Gary Stearman and uh, so we have we have that set up. Uh, so Dead Sea Scrolls. That's that's mainly what I've been looking into lately. Uh, there's some really interesting things with festivals. So we're we're typically aware of like seven festivals from Leviticus. According to the Dead Sea Scrolls, is actually more than that. There's um, twelve, and the 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 new ones. There, there's there's a couple of. Um, you know, like head of the year. There, there's a couple of things like that, but the the main new ones that I, I want to uh, briefly mention, and then I'm going to focus in on one of them. But the main new ones are the first fruits of new wine and the first fruits of new oil and the wood offering. The wood offering is not exactly like a, a festival exactly. Uh, now, first fruits of new wine, first fruits of new oil are uh, because before all we've known is the first fruits of barley. And uh, that when we typically when we say first fruits, that's what we're talking about, the first fruits of barley. But there was actually first fruits of wheat, which that is Pentecost. Um, it's the same day. So usually we just call that Pentecost, but that is the first fruits of wheat. Then 50 days after that is the first fruits of new wine. And then 50 days after that, there's the first fruits of new oil. Now, these are explained in... Um, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, and then and then like literally the day after first fruits of new oil is the six days of the wood offering. And I'm going to focus in on the wood offering today because I, I think there's some really interesting and kind of chilling parallels there. But um, but 
even though for some reason uh, the the Torah doesn't go into detail to describe first fruits of new wine or new oil, but uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls do, specifically in something called the Temple Scroll. And when you're aware of those festivals, you can go back in Scripture and you actually see new wine, new oil all over the place. Um, th there's several places where you'll see together. You'll see uh, either it'll either say new grains, which is barley and wheat, or it'll say new barley, new wheat, new oil, new wine. It puts all those four together. It's usually in some sort of prophetic sense which is really interesting. Um, but they're all over. Just for some reason, they're not explicitly like explained in the way that, you know, like unleavened bread or first fruits of barley are. Um, so the wood offering is like that too. The wood offering is the, uh, the, the, the time where all the 12 tribes of Israel were supposed to offer wood that would be burned on the altar and um, for for the following year to keep that fire going. Now, that's something that I, up until recently, never really looked into, um, but it is so significant to our Christian walk. And uh, I'm going to talk about that, too. It also has a lot to do with um, the idea of annihilation versus eternal torment uh, for, for hell. There's there's a, a connection there, too. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and then later I want to talk about how these, uh, some of the Dead Sea Scrolls, some of, some of the original Greek, the original Hebrew, um, we, we kind of got our prophetic timeline a little wrong, I think, our understanding about it a little wrong. And I want to talk about specifically the 1290 days, um, and the, the time times half a time, what's usually translated as three and a half years. And uh, the 1335. I want to talk about that today too, and we'll probably do that in the in the second half of the show. But I want to talk about the wood offering first. Um, now the wood offering it's actually a little bit more difficult to track down in the Dead Sea Scrolls than first fruits of new wine and new oil, um, but it can be found in a Dead Sea Scroll called reworked Pentateuch. It is a 4Q365. If you're interested enough to, to look it up, but it's called Rework Pentateuch, and this helps us fill in the blanks with the wood offering. So in, in and keep in mind, I'm, I'm using a translation um, that's a little bit more traditional in some of its words, uh, and the reason I'm using this translation is because the translator himself gave me permission to, which is really exciting, and I'm so grateful and thankful, because up until now, I haven't really been able to read you guys um, any Dead Sea Scrolls, because it's all copyrighted stuff. The translations are copyrighted. The Dead Sea Scrolls themselves are not copyrighted, uh, but they're in an original language of, you, you know, uh, Aramaic or Hebrew, or, you know, some of them are in Greek, stuff like that. And I don't know how to translate those languages as of yet. I'm going to learn, but um, that's going to take a little while. So up until recently, I haven't really been able to read too much from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, but now I've been um, given permission. Um, I, I emailed the translator of this amazing book. It's uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls translated the Qumran text in English. It's a really fantastic uh, resource. And like it says on the title, the most compre comprehensive one-volume edition of the Dead Sea Scrolls available. This is the second edition, and uh, the the author translator is uh, Florentino Garcia Martinez. 
So very big thank you to uh, Mr. Martinez for, or maybe Dr. Martinez, I actually don't know, uh, but for providing um, permission. Uh, very greatly appreciated. So, um, but that's a great resource. Uh, now, be, because it's a little bit more traditional, and also I think that the way that this one works, it was translated to Spanish first, then from Spanish to English. So what I like to do is I, I read the Dead Sea Scrolls in the same way that I'll read like Bible translations. I'll look at a few different Bible translations for the Bible and then try to get a sense of uh, um, what it might be saying, you, you know. And I, I do the same thing with the Dead Sea Scrolls. I encourage uh, all of you, if you're going to make this an area of study, uh, you should do the same thing too. Um, but I really like uh, Martinez's translation because it's, it's easy to read, but it's also a little bit more traditional. So, uh, for example, the reason I bring that up is because it uses the word holocausts a lot. And I remember when I first saw that, I didn't know what it was talking about. There's like holocausts all over in, in uh, when it talks about like the temple and stuff. Um, so I looked it up and th that word holocausts, it, it just, it's a traditional English word meaning burnt offering. So when you see the word holocausts in the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you have a translator that uses that word, all it means is it, that's talking about the burnt offering. So that, that's what we're talking about there. So, um, in this translation, the reworked Pentateuch, this comes from fragment 25 and it's 5b, uh, to 11. And a lot of these Dead Sea Scrolls are fragmented, so there's a lot of spaces that are missing. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll skip over those and just kind of read it as smoothly as I can, uh, but there's going to be gaps. And then when you, when you hear the word holocausts, it's talking about burnt offerings. So this is what it says about the wood offering. It says, you will offer, wor you will, you will offer wood for the holocaust and for the work of the house you are to build in the land in order to arrange it upon the altar of sacrifice. And the holocausts for the Passover sacrifices and for the peace offerings, for the sacrifices for sins and for the free will offerings and for the holocausts, each thing according to its order uh, and for the gates and for all the work of the house they shall offer and for the feast of oil, they shall offer the wood two by two, those who offer on the first day, Levi, and there's blank, uh, there's something missing, you know, there, there's actually been a lot missing so far. I'm just trying to read it smoothly, but Reuben and Simeon and on the fourth day, and then that's it. Okay, so it's really hard to <laughs> understand what's being talked about through that, but we have other sources that can help. There's other Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, even uh, Josephus writes something that helps us learn a uh, possible connection to that festival, uh, or or it's not it's not like a feast day exactly, or, or it's it's... It's a festival, but it, it's not. It, it's it's an offering, um, but it's not like a feast day, like the like first fruits or something. But Josephus helps us uh, see a connection to that to the wood offering and uh, the Bible. So in Wars of the Jews, Josephus describes the wood offering like this. He says, "Now the next day was the festival of Xylophory and." Just, this is me talking now, and we, we think that that's the wood offering. So Josephus continues, quote, Upon which the custom was for everyone to bring wood for the altar, that there might never be a want of fuel for that fire which was unquenchable and always burning. Uh, and again, that's from Wars of the Jews by Flavius Josephus. I think it's 2.425 uh, if you wanted to look that up. But So it could be, based on that description, given by Josephus, that the wood offering actually connects with the book of Leviticus. Now, Leviticus doesn't 
give the details that we find throughout the Dead Sea Scrolls on how all this is supposed to work. But it does say this. This is uh, Leviticus 6, 12 through 13. Uh, I'm reading from the NET. But it says, the Bible which is on the altar must be kept burning on it. It must not be extinguished. So the priest must kindle wood on it. Uh, morning by morning, and he must arrange the burnt offering on it and offer the fat of the peace offering up in smoke on it. A continual fire must be kept burning on the altar. It must not be extinguished. All right, so that's what Leviticus says, and we we get a confirmation of that from Josephus. Uh, So then we can put two and two together, um, and... um, we can look through some other Dead Sea Scrolls, and then we can actually go to the Dead Sea Scroll calendar from our very good friend, Dr. Ken Johnson. Uh, he put this together. It is dsscalendar.org. Highly suggest you check that out. But uh, he is he has been able to piece together exactly when and how this wood offering happened. Um, so that's reflected in the Dead Sea Scroll calendar. The wood festival dates and the corresponding tribes are as such. So you have six days there from... Uh, uh, Elul 23 through 28. So day one, Levi and Judah are supposed to come and bring their wood uh, to to the offering. They're supposed to, you know, from their tribe, they bring their own wood. They cut down their own trees. They drag it, you know, uh, through to the, the temple and they offer it to the temple. And then that wood is used to keep this fire of the altar burning. So the first day, Levi and Judah do that. The second day, Benjamin and Joseph, these are the two tribe, you know, the tribes. Um, day three is the tribes of Reuben and Simeon's day. Day four is Issachar and Zebulun. Day five, Gad and Asher. And then uh, day six, Dan and Naphtali. So um, so each day you get, you get two tribes bringing wood for um, presumably the following year. Now, by piecing all those writings with others that are available today, we learn that each of the 12 tribes of Israel, two per day for six days, which is Elul 23 through uh, 28, were to contribute wood for this offering each year. So if we if we were to include like the first fruits of new oil, then we can see that for that entire week, uh, because before this six-day count starts is new oil. So you get the festival of new oil, the next day is day one of the wood offering. So for that whole week, you get uh, seven full days, starting with new oil, then six days of wood offering. Um, so you, you see that for that whole week. And, and this is the last full week of the summer season. It's the, it's the last week um, of the, the first half of the year before fall. So there are seven full days having to do with burning fire and light. You know, oil was used in lamps to keep a light burning. Uh, in order to see when it was dark and wood was used to keep the fire on the altar burning continually. So the, you know, oil isn't just for consumption. Oil uh, was used in lamps and it's actually connected to prophecy, uh, the spirit of prophecy, the light of prophecy in the Bible. I, I write about that. I'll do a video about that some other day, uh, but there's a lot of connections there. So it makes sense why, uh, the festival of new oil and the wood offering would all be on the same week because it all kind of has to do with the same thing um, in terms of burning and keeping a liar, a fire lit. Now, uh, the, the, the first fruits of new oil and the six days of wood offering, um, might have more significance than only the literal fire that they produce. I'm going to skip new oil because there's a lot of information there. And I'm going to instead go right to the wood offering. 
Um, let me find my notes. My apologies. There's a lot of information on wine and oil uh, and, and their significance. But I want to skip ahead to wood offering because this is something I haven't really heard talked about. There are few people that even talk about um, new wine and new oil. Very few. Uh, but even less that talk about the wood offering. So I wanted to, you know, I saw an opportunity where I might be able to help serve people and give some information and teach. So I want to do that. So the wood offering, again, it wasn't a, fe it was not a festival of first fruits. You know, it wasn't the same. Um, we, we can, but we can still see a parallel in regards to judgment because in all the other festivals, there's an aspect that it represents something for the believer and it represents something for the unbeliever. And it's usually blessing and curses. It's usually something good and a judgment. Um, so, um, for example, new, new wine, there's a clear connection for the believer to uh, marriage, uh, to, to uh, communion, to, to, to like a fellowship, excuse me, for the believer. But for the unbeliever, judgment, because, you know, there's, there's the wine press of God, the wrath of God and the wine press of God, and they get crushed like grapes. Um, there's, there's judgment. So all of these first fruits festivals, they have a blessing for believers. It's like one coin with two sides. On one side of the coin for the believer, there are, are blessings and wonderful things that they represent. But on the other side, they also represent something for unbelievers. Uh, for those who reject God, and it is judgment. It's different aspects of judgment, but it is judgment. Um, the wood offering is no different. So even though the wood offering is not a first uh, fruits festival, there's still a parallel in regards to blessings and curses, um, specifically judgment. We can see a parallel between the wood and fire having to do with judgments uh, during the tribulation period prior to the return of Christ. So Revelation 8-7 says, uh, The first angel blew his trumpet, and there was hail and fire mixed with blood. It was thrown at the earth so that a third part of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees. That's wood, were burned up. And the green grass was burned up. Now, in my opinion, the, I'm a pre-trib rapture believer, so the, the tribulation, in my opinion, happens after the church is raptured out. Um, and then there will be people who get saved after, you know, the tribulation saints. Uh, but this isn't for, so this, this judgment here isn't for the church because we accepted Christ and we have our blessing. And it's really cool what the blessing part of the wood offering is too, but we'll get to that in a minute. So we can see that the um, the day of the Lord described similarly in the Old Testament is like this too. So the prophet Joel, in his description of the coming wrath and judgment of God, uses elements of the four festivals of first fruits. You know, grain for barley and wheat, seeds for grapes and olives. And we're going to read that. But it also includes wood, trees. Uh, and fire. So this is Joel 1, 15 through 20. It says, How awful that day will be, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as a destruction from the divine destroyer. Our food has been cut off right before our eyes. There is no longer any joy or gladness in the temple of our God. The grains of seed have shriveled beneath their shovels. Storehouses have been decimated and granaries have been torn down because the grain has dried up. Listen to the cattle groan. The herds of livestock wander around in confusion because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep are suffering. To you, Lord, I call out for help. The fire has burned up the pastures of wilderness. Flames have raised all the trees in the fields. 
Even the wild animals cry out to you for the riverbeds have dried up. Fire has destroyed the pastures of the wilderness. Again, that's Joel 115 through 20 from the NET, but that shows the, the grains of seed there and then the storehouses and the granaries and all that. That's, that, that has a connection with first fruits of barley, wheat, oil, and wine. But then we also have the trees mentioned, which uh, has a connection to the wood offering. So, now, is that all just coincidence, or do the festivals of first fruits and the wood offering not only teach blessings for believers, but also harsh judgments for the unrepentant? Um, now, we've talked in other videos about uh, how the Dead Sea Scrolls seem to make a connection between events of the heavenly temple and the earthly temple. Um, and... I don't know specifically which videos we talk. I think I mentioned it in one of them, but I, I, I write about it in, in my new book. But there's a, there's a connection between the heavenly and the earthly. And, you, you know, we know that because Scripture even says that Moses, he modeled the earthly temple based on the one in heaven. There is clearly a heavenly temple. Um, this is why it was so important that sacrifices, offerings, and rituals were done on exact, precise days. Uh, because they somehow mirrored things that angels are doing in the heavenly temple. And we see that concept um, throughout the Dead Sea Scrolls, but we also see it in the book of Revelation. Now, remember, according to Josephus, the wood offering was to ensure that the fire of the altar would burn continually and never be extinguished. And that is mandated in Leviticus 6, 12-13. Keep that in mind while we read this. This is describing events occurring in heaven uh, from the book of Revelation. And this is going to be Revelation 14, 9 through 11, and, uh, and um, 17 through 18. 14, 9 through 11, 14, 17 through 18. So we're going to read those together. A third angel followed the first two, declaring in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and takes the mark on his forehead or his hand, that person will also drink of the wine of God's anger. See, we got wine there. Uh, that has been mixed undiluted in the cup of his wrath, and he will be tortured with fire and sulfur in front of the holy angels and in front of the Lamb. And the smoke from their torture will go up forever and ever, and those who worship the beast and his image will have no rest day or night, along with anyone who receives the mark of his name. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Another angel who was in charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to the angel who had the sharp sickle, use your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes off the vine of the earth because its grapes are now ripe. So here's the terrifying reality of this. Um, this is a continually burning fire of the altar, and, and we see that alluded to in heaven. So the reality is the continually burning fire of the altar on earth um, that Josephus describes and that is described in Leviticus, it represents the lake of fire. It's a continual reminder of, of the judgment. So what was the altar used for? It was for burnt offerings. So it was, it was to, to, uh, you know, for, for sin and stuff, you know, basically in a sense, it was, you do, you do this to, to atone for, you know, sin. So, so this would mean that the burnt offering that occurred at the altar of the earthly temple were at least in part to remind the children of Israel that there is, this is the eternal judgment for sin. 
So during that time, a person could either symbolically cast their sins upon the altar to be burned in the presence of the high priest and the rest of the leadership. You know, we, we, we read in uh, Revelation that um, th this is, you know, th this eternal fire, this is done in the presence of uh, the, the Holy Lamb and the, the angels. That's the high priest and the leadership. On the earthly temple, it was the same deal. It was the, the high, this was done in uh, the presence of the high priest and, and, you know, the other priest, the leadership. So a person could symbolically throw their sin down in this, in this burnt offering um, lay their sin on this animal or whatever, th throw their sin down on there and let their sin burn, but they're saved. Um, so they they could do that. Um, or they could keep their sins, they could hold on to their sins, they could die in their sins, and then the burnt offering would be completed in the heavenly temple in the presence of God and the angels. So at that time in Israel, it's like, this burnt offering is going to happen one way or another. Do you want substitutional atonement do you want this animal to take on you know do, do you want to transfer your sins onto this animal and for for that year or whatever uh, it wasn't an eternal thing like it is with jesus but do you want that to put your sins on there and have that burned and then you're you're safe or do you want to hold on to your sins die in those sins and then have the burnt offering occur in heaven with the eternal fire with the lake of fire the, the 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 fire of the altars I, I think that's what the lake of fire is the, the that fire that eternal fire is in the altar of, of heaven um, and that burnt offering would be completed again in the heavenly temple in the presence of God and the angels um, now that doesn't mean that people are going to be tortured in heaven I mean the, the actual fire itself is you know in hell or Hades or you know whatever that that could be a lot lower Again, we're talking about like topography that that it, it, the topography of heaven is not going to be like the topography on earth. You know, it, it would be inaccurate to say, you know, it's down lower. It, you know, it's not going to be like an up, down, side to side kind of thing. There, there's other dimensions at play here. There's there's a whole there's a whole thing on that. But um, it, it's not like heaven's going to be a place of torture or anything. But that that fire is for the altar in heaven, if that makes sense. Um, but anyway, so that's what it's that's what it's representing. It's a reminder. This wood offering is a reminder. Uh, the the wood offering, um, excuse me, the burn offering is a reminder of this eternal burn offering that could occur if you don't lay your sins down on the earthly temple. So the earthly temple is like a gift. That that's like, hey, you don't have to have this done in heaven. You don't have to have this done in the afterlife in, in the lake of fire, uh, the fire in the lake of fire for the altar in heaven. You don't have to do that. You can do it here on earth. And you don't have to be in that fire at all. You can put your sins on, uh, transfer it to this animal in this way, and that'll take care of that sin, whatever that one sin is. Um, now, now, how does this connect with the, the wood offering? So the children of Israel were commanded to provide the wood for this fire, right? The children of Israel had to keep their own fire burning. So how might that be representing something eternal? Well, without sin, there would be no need for the lake of fire, would there? If there was no rebellion, no sin, there would be no punishment, no lake of fire. There'd be no need for it. Um, same with uh, on the earthly temple. If there was no sin to atone for, there'd be no need for any burnt offering. There would be no need for the altar, and there would be no need for a wood offering, right? So the children of Israel had to bring their own wood to the fire to keep it going. Just like the lake of fire burns eternal... 
because of the sins that we drag into the world from our own wicked and deceitful hearts. We get that Jeremiah 17, 9 describes our hearts that way. We're dragging in our sin to the world, and, and we have to... We have to do something about that. You know, Jesus provides us the answer, but we have to do something about that. So just like they were dragging um, sin into the world and had to atone for it, they also had to drag their wood into the altar to have it burn continually. Now, here's the good news about this. Much in the same way, Jesus, because that's all the curses, so where's the blessing? Jesus paid the price for us by dragging his own collection of wood, the cross, and he became our burnt offering and sacrifice for sin. And I, I write about that in the book having to do with the book of Numbers and the Red Heifer. There's a whole really amazing study uh, that will require a video all by itself. But Jesus provided his own wood offering with the cross. That's the blessing. That's the blessing side of that coin. So the wood offering, like the other festivals, is one coin with two sides, just like the festivals of first fruits. It's both a picture of hell and of the cross. So it should remind us that for the unbeliever, there is an eternal fire waiting that is kept lit by their own sins, which according to Revelation will never be quenched. But for the believer, Jesus has already carried that burden of sin for us and was killed upon his wood offering, the cross, so that we can escape eternal torment. And we can be with him for all of eternity. So while the wood offering is not a festival of first fruits, it does share commonality by teaching about a wonderful blessing for the believer, but a terrifying curse for the unbeliever. So, you know, the amazing thing about this is that if an unbeliever responds positively to the gospel uh, before entering eternity, before he leaves this life, they they will never need to have any part in the eternally burning lake of fire, in the, in the burnt offering of the heavenly temple. They'll never have to have any part in that. Anyone can make that choice. Anyone can make this the day that they choose to cast their sins onto the cross, onto the wood offering of Jesus Christ. Just like the children of Israel would cast their sacrifices for sins upon the earthly altar, and uh, just like that, believer, you know, if somebody wants to be a believer today, we today in the church age, in the age of grace, we can allow Jesus to bear that burden for us. And it's already done. You know, his death, burial, and resurrection has already taken place. So the work is already finished. All a person needs to do now is just accept the gift, trust in, and just trust in Jesus for salvation. Jesus is like giving you a gift. All you have to do is take it. That's it. Um, if you reject the gift, that, that, that gift is there. The gift still exists. It's not going away, but you're just saying you're not going to have any part in it. Jesus is offering a gift. If you want the gift, he's not going to force you to take it. He, you, you have to take it willingly because you have free will. Uh, and he's made it really easy. All you have to do is trust in him. You, you just have to trust. You just believe. Uh, so Acts 16, 30b through 31a says, uh, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. How easy is that? that, that it's just that simple. And that word believe, it's more akin to like trust. You know, you trust him uh, for safety in eternity, for, for eternal security. You, you trust Jesus for that, knowing he's the only way. He, he's the only way to heaven. 
just the same way you would trust a parachute if you're in a uh, uh, plane that's about to crash. You know, you trust the parachute. It's your only way out of that plane alive. Um, Jesus is your only way out of death alive. And uh, I think that that is an absolutely appropriate way to look at it. So, connecting with that, um, I wanted to also talk about some of the timings of um, our our current view of prophecy, how a lot of prophecy teachers teach some of these phrases, uh, time, times, and half a time. Um, there's actually a lot to do with festivals here, and I want to get into all that, but we're going to do that in the members-only section. So uh, if you want to get the rest of this episode head on over to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership. You can get a free trial uh, for a week. You can try it first. Uh, but if if you already know that you want to support this ministry and help us spread the gospel and uh, spread this information to the world, then please get a membership. Uh, it really does help us out. It's only $10 a month or $100 a year, and it helps keep us going. This is how we're able to have the time to research. And, you know, we have several other shows uh, available. We're even making some some documentaries for members only, um, and we're we're doing a lot of uh, good. Th we're we're making some improvements on the website um, still, but all of that stuff uh, costs money, takes time. So the way that you can contribute, the way that you can help, is by getting a membership. And if you care to donate more, you're absolutely more than welcome to do that. Um, by the way, people have been asking how to help with Nathan if, if they want to help. There's a link in the description below, but it's just paypal.me slash Josh Peck Disclosure. Uh, any donation that goes through there will go to uh, Nathan's d just day-to-day -day survival, basically. So that would be a great help. But, um, but yeah, go get a membership, and you'll get the rest of this episode and everything else that we do. We do a lot of things, have a lot of different shows. And we can't put all of it on YouTube because YouTube, we put as much as we can, but YouTube deletes things and we just, YouTube has broken trust with us. So we have to do our own thing. We basically built our own mini YouTube for Daily Renegade and for you guys. So you can have access to it there. All right, dailyrenegade.com. You'll get the rest of this episode and so much more. We'll see you there. So members, hang on the line. Everybody else, thank you so much. Until next time, take care and God bless.